0: Welcome everyone to episode 2 of the CU podcast where we will delve into belonging and impermanence as our focus and just looking at how yoga and meditation can help us to find a sense of belonging and accept impermanence in our lives. Welcome everyone to our podcast, our CU podcast. Today I have an amazing and beautiful guest with me, and also someone I call a friend, Leoni Lamb. Um, you may know her if you've ever attended yoga at CU Yoga. Um, but Leoni has been practicing at our studio for quite a while now. I've had the pleasure of knowing her for the last maybe seven or so months, seven eight months. Um, Leonie is a career development and a career coach. And she was nominated for um, the, let me get this right, Owner Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017. Um, And she placed sixth. So that's out of, you know, however many participants there were nominees. So she's quite, quite renowned in her field of work. Um, She's got a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, Bachelor of Commerce, and a myriad of other qualifications that she can tell us a little bit more about. Um, But in particular, I just wanted to highlight that Leone has been someone who's impacted me personally, you know, in our conversations that we have at the studio, um, discussions about, you know, impermanence, discussions about our trips to Bali. And I think, you know, today we'll sort of delve into that a little bit more, but without further ado, um, welcome Leone to our podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Jess, uh, for the warm welcome. Uh, it's uh, honour to be here today to talk about my yoga and meditation and how it's uh, changed me as a person. So
0: um, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is our first official Zoom recording, so you know, just nutting it out as well. But I'm glad that I get to uh, experience this with you today. Um, well, let's just start, you know, let's start talking about you and your background. You know, what's your cultural background? Where did you grow up? Just a little bit about yourself so that, you know, our listeners and our viewers have a sense of who you are and where you've come from, you know, in your past.
1: Okay. Um, so, I arrived in Australia 1981 mm. my parents um, escaped the the war in Vietnam and uh, took a boat from Vietnam to Thailand and then flew from Thailand to Sydney so I've been here for a very long time mm. Australian um, half Vietnamese half Chinese born in Thailand Australian and so uh, I can speak uh, a little bit of Mandarin, Chinese, Mm -hmm. Vietnamese, and obviously English. Um, So I grew up in a suburb called Villawood, and I went to high school at Birong Girls High School. Mm -hmm. And um, as Jess mentioned, completed my bachelor, my master. And so as a Australian, Asian, it was, yeah, it was tough. I mean, there wasn't wasn't many, many Asians growing up back in the day. I Mm -hmm. went to school that was for multicultural school, um, I was only like one out of maybe three or four Asian um, girls in, um, in, uh, in the school, in the primary school. Yeah, And um, I was a, a, a prefect in primary school. Um, then yeah, teenagers, as a teenager, uh, in of girls, um, finished, got to uni. Uh, 10 years in HR and it, well, more than 10 years, but the first in my 20s is developing my experience in HR. officially started my business um, about exactly 10 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, decided to really love helping people grow their careers, yep. working with individuals. Um, in my spare time, I play basketball. I practice yoga. Mm-hmm. Been practicing yoga since 2015. Mm. Um, I th- think that sums me up overall. I'm the eldest of five kids, and um, trying to think of anything personally, but yeah, work, study.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I live in Liverpool, five minute walking distance from the yoga studio. Like the luxury.
0: <laughs> love that. Love that. <laughs> yeah. I want to sort of touch on um, you know, your experiences. Like you said, you you were one of of you know five girls or five. Um, at the time, you know, Asian, Chinese, Vietnamese sort of background. And I think during that period, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, being a minority was more challenging than I think it might be today. You know, we're, we're a lot more multicultural now, we're a lot more accepting, but back then it was, it was challenging, you know, for someone, whether it was Asian, whether it was European or WOG, you know, we have, there's those stereotypes that I think, you know, a lot of people are just sort of experience. So, How were your experiences with that growing up? you know, in Villawood where I'm sure yeah. it was pretty much dominated back then probably by, um, you know, Arabic-speaking backgrounds and even Australians. Yes. Uh, it was,
1: I remember being, um, uh, where I lived in Villawood, I had an amazing neighbour and her, her name um, is Mrs. Green and her husband, we refer him to as Jack, Mr. Green. So mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Green were an Australian couple who helped me Um, introduced me to Australian lifestyle and, you know, and so when my family actually had problems um, with going out to the Department of Housing because we needed something fixed at home, my Mm. father would go out and he would speak in broken Vietnamese. Oh, sorry, broken English. wasn't so, <laughs> um, broken. <laughs> you wonder why they weren't. They don't understand. So he would go out and try and get something fixed, and people will just ignore him because he had spoken in broken English, mm-hmm. where he was. There was racism growing up, mm-hmm, of course. And he would go over to my. I will tell my next door neighbour. um, in English, and she actually, Mrs. Green, went out with my father to the Department of Housing to to speak on our, our behalf, and mm. straight away there was results straight away. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Up, and they fixed everything we needed. So um, that's an example of what mm. we like growing up. So certainly, it's about. Um, we were a minority, there weren't many Vietnamese, uh, and being, you know, there's a lot of things personally growing up, trying to fit in into a group and trying to be um, as Australian as possible, yeah. and if you don't look Australian uh, growing up, that was, and so it was very challenging, Jess, very, mm-hmm. very challenging, personally.
0: Yeah. I like, I can only imagine, you know, um, I had six, not similar experiences, but growing up, you know, I was um, like, I was quite 10. I had olive skin and even still when I was growing up, which was, you know, not longer like 15, 16 years ago, it was, it was challenging in itself, but um, you know, you're always searching for, for a sense of belonging, you know, I think. And, um, and I want to know, you know, what, what helped you to feel that? Because I think if you are the minority and you do feel that sense of isolation, which everyone is experiencing now, funnily enough, but, um, you know, how do you create that sense of belonging? How do you find that within yourself and within the community that you're in when you feel so isolated and yeah. um,
1: yes. feel minority? Yeah. So, well, I went to a school, a high school, Bass High for year seven and year eight. And then I really struggled to fit in with the social groups that I had in that school. So I decided to um, leave that school and decide to go to Biron Girls because um, someone had told me it's a really good school mm-hmm. and she'll get along with most people there. It was multicultural as well, but we had a lot more, many more Asians in yeah. that school. Yeah. And so immediately when I did um, turn, when I did enrol in Year Nine at your own girls. I immediately found groups of people that I could connect with. And honestly, yes. looking back in my life, Year Nine is a long, long time ago. Uh, certainly, it was. That's when I felt like I'm at home. I'm, mm-hmm. I feel. Part of a group, I feel like I'm not a external person anymore because a lot of the groups I was part of growing up, I was the only Asian. Yeah, it's really hard, Jess, because it's like you're not, you're not, you don't feel like you're in. You feel like you do get treated differently. Yeah. Fast track, you know, 10 20 years later, it's so awesome now. Like you can be the only Asian, and I feel completely different. It's like you're yeah. actually cool because you're the only Asian. <laughs> you're different. Yeah, so, yeah um, definitely. But growing up is a different story.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, when you get to a certain age, it's almost like that stuff, not that belonging doesn't matter. We all want to feel like we belong, but we find that sense of belonging within ourselves. You know, it's not based on any external circumstances and, um, you know, it's still taken me a really long time. Like I, I grew up in various, you know, locations, but it wasn't until I started, you know, the studio where I started that space that I truly felt that, feeling of belonging. And I don't know whether it was in relation to the community around me, or that it was just because I felt like I had purpose. You know, I felt like I was doing something meaningful and, you know, sharing an experience and in a, in a way helping people to heal, which is what I wanted the space to be about. So, you know, I think, I think when you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I feel like I'm finally okay. And, and then everything just seems to work out from there. I feel, you know, um, you don't feel so alone and so isolated. Um, but that's amazing that you had those groups, you know, and that you found that comfort. And like you said, you got to a point where I was like, you know, you're the only Asian, but that was okay, because, you know, it's almost normalized. I think when people experience something different or something new, it's, it's foreign, it's scary, you know, we don't know how to respond, we don't know how to react. But then people sort of adjust and they get used to it, you know, which I think is, is essentially happening now. You know, we're all in isolation. And at first it was like, this is scary, what do we do? But now it's like, okay, we've just got to accept and we've just got to go with the, the flow in a way. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So you started yoga 2015, you said. So it's five years ago. Where was your first yoga class? Tell me about it and what was the, the feeling that you got? Because I think that first yoga class is what really sticks in, you know, people's minds and it's the thing that keeps you there and that keeps you going. Um,
1: okay. So the first yoga class was actually a proper yoga class, one hour yoga class was in um, a yoga studio in Concord.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I remember the yoga teacher, she was very, it was a beginner class and I signed up for one month unlimited. Yeah. and She was a v- beautiful teacher and it is your first class so you're a little bit nervous. Um, and we, when I spoke with her, she just reassured me that it's okay, um, you'll be fine. It's a gentle yeah. class as a beginner. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just take your time and, and do what you can and just yeah. and go from there.
0: How important is that conversation
1: um, though? That conversation is is profound because it yeah. enables you to feel, it eliminates all your fears, it yeah. makes you feel comfortable. Um, so that particular teacher, I'll, I'll never forget her. Um, mm-hmm. She just really made me feel at ease and, you know, let's just, just give it a try yeah. and just give it a go. So... That was the first yoga class. Um, That's certainly, going back to your initial questions, the very, very, very first yoga class, I think I completed in at like a fitness, um,
0: fitness yeah. class.
1: Yeah. And that was more so, you know, feel like more stretching. And so it's very different in a, fi- a fitness first class from my experience compared to an actual yoga studio. Um, prior to 2015, I thought yoga was just a a stretch
0: class (laughs) yeah (laughs) then we all right (laughs) I think I speak for everyone when I say like the everyone's perception of yoga is oh you do a bit of stretching a bit of opening you know become a bit more flexible (laughs) and then when you go you're like what is this (laughs) lying on the floor thinking this isn't stretching (laughs) yeah so so you, you felt really comfortable obviously you know going in and you know I think that sort of eliminates the mask that you almost feel you have to put on. You know, your first yoga class is daunting. Like I know my first yoga class, even though I was the only one, oh, actually scratch that, there were many. And I felt very out of my element. I thought, you know, these people have been practicing for years and I just thought, what am I doing? I had no idea. But that conversation I think is so important. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just to help you feel that sense of comfort and that it's okay, you know, whether you make a mistake or not. Yes,
1: yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah, absolutely, the very first class.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so what were your feelings after that first class? You know, obviously you had a good, good feeling going in. What were your feelings coming out of it?
1: Well, I felt happy that I completed the one hour job mm. and I, I would really liked the teacher. Uh, from memory, her name um, was Tamara. And I um, just really loved her energy. I loved everything about her. But she had a lovely voice. She was very calming.
0: Um,
1: so I was really excited because I liked her a lot. So then, the when her name appeared on the timetable, I was like, "Yes, I've got to go to the class." Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so the very first month, when you do try yoga unlimited for a few weeks, um, or for up to a month that I had, uh, it was really enjoyable because you get to experiment and you get to be you can try different classes and mm-hmm. um, meet different teachers and then you build the confidence within you over time and mm-hmm. go, okay, is this for you, is this for you or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think a month of solid yoga practice is so profound, not only, you know, in what you like and what you don't like, just in the changes that you experience you know, within yourself? Like, what can you talk about some of those things that maybe you noticed were changing within you during that first month? Yes.
1: I probably can't remember in the first month, but I certainly remember in the first couple of months how yoga changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so even before i start to talk about that piece i think it's important to know who i was back then prior to yoga Yeah.
0: okay yep tell us <laughs> yeah <I'm so> <laughs> the
1: i was before yoga prior to 2015 and i wasn't aware of this only when i, I transformed that people said you know what Leoni, you used to be like this
0: yeah, like, what?
1: what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> talk um, about us not me <laughs> So the personal wise prize 2015 was I've always been very much into business and mm-hmm. my 10 years in my business, I was always working. And even when I had social time on the weekend, I'll go out and I'll meet people who we'll talk. And the next minute, you know, I'm talking about the career. So what do you do for work? Mm-hmm. I'll start doing a little bit of a coaching session or something. So <laughs> work was always on my mind. And that's what mm-hmm. happens when you, when you are an entrepreneur, when you are in business, when you are building your business years, year on year. So that person was very determined, very um, focused. Work was 24-7 on her mm-hmm. mind. And she always had somewhere to go. Every single, you know, mm. was like, okay, I'm meeting with you now, but I've got to go to the next thing. And so yeah. my best friend calls it. <laughs> she actually said, you know what, Leonie, you used to be on a, a time bomb like you it just felt like you had to go you had to go you had to go you're always like ticking 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 yeah and yeah yeah like, that sounds really horrible to describe who I used to be but that's how yeah. she described me and so yeah. I was like wow I didn't know that about myself it was only until I transformed that she said you know what like you've changed so much.
0: Mm.
1: How has yoga then how did it happen over the first few months? Well what I learned in yoga was around Obviously, it's a moving meditation. Mm. Do you agree? It's a moving meditation.
0: Yep, yes. I agree. 100%.
1: So, just checking. Well, I see it as a moving meditation, and you are it increases your body awareness. So you actually start to notice, you know, where your where your body parts actually are, 100%. and
0: you know, where your
1: knees are. Where the, you know what's happening in your body. So I have a pinky. <laughs> So I certainly increased my body awareness and yeah. um, I slowed down dramatically uh, and I'm a more, much more aware of my posture. That's probably the one thing that mm-hmm. I noticed in the first few weeks or few months of yoga was I was so much more aware of my posture. How was I walking? How was I talking? How was I, mm-hmm. How was I being? and then uh, increase awareness, particularly with with breathing. So because a lot of the yoga, it's the poses, but it's also, it synchronizes the way in the way you breathe. So you learn Mm -hmm. breathing techniques when when you practice yoga. So a combination of all these elements that enabled me to slowly over time, transform the way of how I live.
0: Mm -hmm. So then
1: um, what happens is the, when I go now, when I go after the first few months of yoga, I would then go into a meeting um, or working with clients, delivering training, and I'm a lot more slower than I used to be. I'm a lot more present. So mm. it's, um, it's a total different experience uh, once you, once you feel the, and the benefits of yoga and meditation.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think, a lot of people can resonate with, you know, the pre-yoga Leone, because, you know, how many of us are so focused on what needs to come next, you know, where we're going or even on the flip side, you know, focusing on the past only, you know, I can count on my fingers the number of people who I encounter who are, oh, this happened yesterday and they're just stuck in the past. And that's just their journey. Obviously, you know, there's no right or wrong, but when you can see where you were, it just, you're just like, you never want to go back. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to run away from the old me. Like <laughs> You're like running straight ahead. And yeah, I think it's so important when you recognize that, you know, you've got to maintain it. It's easy to see, yeah, I was like that, and I've changed now, but you know, can you make that change stick? And that's, that's the challenging part because everyone gets that taste of, you know, being a bit more present, being a bit more mindful. And then we fall back into old habits. And it seems though, you know, in your experience the last five years, that's not been the case, you know, you've been able to maintain it. So let's, let's talk about that. Maybe you might've had your ups and downs. So maybe just share with us, you know, what, what has been your experience thereafter, you know, those two months, how, how has it helped you in your business and even just in, you know, your day-to-day interactions?
1: Yes. So that first, after the first few months of practicing yoga, I, I, in actual fact, let's go back one step. The very first few months of practicing yoga in 2015, um, I recall vividly, it was probably about three month period that I actually did, was determined to just practice yoga every single day, Yeah. every single day. And one, I was doing it at home and two, I was going to class. So there was that commitment I had, I think it was about October, November and December of 2015. That just went every single day, and I, my, so when I first started, I was experimenting. I was experimenting with how is this going to make me feel, and is it going to really work for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have time, I can go back to the point, point in Bali why I even started this journey. Um, yeah. So, the, so after that, this experiment, I, I found that it worked. I felt mm-hmm. ten times better. I was happy with myself. Yoga made me happy. I, it's, yeah. If I had a long day. And I go to a yoga class. I was rejuvenated. I felt mm-hmm. like a brand new person after every single yoga class. Yeah, and I'd come out of class, call a friend up, and say, "Hey, I had the best time because I'm, yeah. I'm so much more energized after practicing." So then, fast track in the last, you know, five years, it's become part of who I am. I see myself as a yogi. And so if I'm not practicing, then I'm like, why am I not practicing?
0: Mm-hmm. And when I notice
1: that if I go one or two weeks without yoga, my body starts to just feel like, oh, something is missing, something's not right. It's like, yeah. um, the energy in the body, prana in the body is just stagnant. It's, it's stagnant. And so I need to, I know that I need to go to class or even at home just so I can get my get my energy back. And, and, mm-hmm. and the probably the best way I used to describe a yoga class back then was it's like, it's like going to get a massage, but getting a massage is when you, you're more reactive. But when you go into yoga, it's like you are actually take, you feel the benefits of after the massage, but you're actually being proactive in your health.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so as opposed to receiving the massage, you're in, sort of giving yourself the massage in a way.
1: Yes yes yeah. so, so the feeling was the same that after your massage I felt so relaxed and, mm. and rejuvenated it was the same feeling I was getting with yoga but I was I was being more proactive in my health
0: yeah And also, you know, you have that meditative quality where you've got to build that awareness of your practice. Whereas in massages, you know, you kind of just sit there, you might fall asleep, snore a little wake up, realize, wait, where am I? I mean, I do that in a yoga class anyway. (laughs) But um, yeah, I really loved how you spoke about um, energy, you know, chi and prana, because I think... As a, as a beginner of, um, you know, in the practice, you're very much in your body. You're very much feeling, you know, the physical and how does this feel in my body physically? And then once you sort of surpass that and you move into the next layer, you know, you start to tune into the thought, the emotion, the energy. And you're right, you know, it does create that flow of energy through the body so that you feel more energized. But, you know, I want to add to that and say that when you tune in and you turn inwards, you're not only connecting and moving that energy, you're connecting with yourself. And I think, you know, you would know, given your busy career and you're busy, you're in your business and you're an entrepreneur and you said, you know, you're on all the time, like you were constantly thinking about the business, that moment to just disconnect from all that and just go within. You're coming back to yourself and you say, you know, you felt brand new, but I wonder, you know, was it feeling brand new or was it feeling you, you know? Because we put on these masks and we go about our day and we have all these things to do. And it's almost like we're on, like you said, we're on fast forward all the time. And when you stop and you press pause and you come back to yourself and you're like, hang on a minute. Like, I love this person is me, you know, and you feel more, yourself you unpeel your layers you know think of shrek i always think of shrek when i think of yoga you know that onions have layers and he's unpeeling all these layers you know, to get to that core and that's you know that's who you really are and i think um you know with that energy flow it allows that to really happen because you're not bound by these masks that you wear it's like energy is peeling everything off um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. You know, I, love, I love hearing about people's experiences with the practice because, you know, it resonates. I, I felt the same way. You know, physically, yes, you're like, yes, this is great. But then energetically, you're like, okay, this is something else. you know, something different. Mm. Um, yeah, go on. Oh, so you're right. that point you just mentioned,
1: is it, am I feeling brand new after the session or am I actually feeling more connected with myself? Mm. So I feel brand new in terms of my energy level. Like everything's yep. brand new. Like I'm, I'm rejuvenated. I, yep. I certainly, but just on that point you mentioned, I am feeling more myself. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely. coming home
0: to me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I love that. And, you know, and thinking about, you know, what we're speaking about earlier with belonging and um, feeling that sense of belonging, feeling that sense of home, you know, you, you had that, when you were in high school and you met those girls who you know, had those similar backgrounds and cultures and things. But, you know, when you come back to yourself and you come back to home, that's a whole different playing field of belonging, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's no longer the need for any external reinforcement or validation. It's simply you are who you are and that's all you need. That's amazing. I love that. Um, you know, you said you might get to talk a little bit about Bali. I'm so interested, you know, I mean, we've spoken about your experiences in Bali, but I really want people to know, like, it's just such an amazing place. I could talk about it for hours, but I think your message, um, that you took from Bali is what I really want to touch on. So, you know, tell us, how did you end up in Bali? What was it that brought you there? Cause you've had a few different of these kind of experiences of retreats and spiritual, um, yes. encounters and so forth. So give us some um, shall you? Uh, In
1: 2015 I have have a friend named Sharon and Sharon's actually the daughter of Mr and Mrs Green who are my next door neighbours
0: Ah, and
1: Sharon said to me uh, Leone you need to actually go on this Bali retreat and here's a link have a look at it and so I was looking at that for a couple of months Yeah. and so she said it's a it's a woman's retreat and um, so I I just, I trusted Sharon. And if Sharon says that I should go, yeah, maybe. But, You're going
0: to uh, go. She's yeah. resident Australian.
1: <laughs> I thought, oh, you know what? Um, yeah, I'll give it a go. So I just booked the ticket and it was a full-on retreat. So you, it was, I think it was for about seven days from memory. Yeah. And I turned up to the retreat and I'm the youngest person on retreat. Well. Uh, at that point in time, I think I was about 34. Yeah, 34. And I was on this retreat with um, another 10 people and the Mm -hmm. age range was anywhere. A few people were in their 50s, a few in their 60s and a few in their 70s. And I was the youngest person in the group, which kind of made me feel a little bit out of place. I wanted to go out and do a lot of things.
0: Yeah, sense a theme here. (laughs)
1: So, however, the retreat was uh, beautiful. Everyone Mm -hmm. Everyone in the group was beautiful people beautiful people the um, the facilitators uh sully and rob uh, robbie were incredible and Mm -hmm. so i I talk about why the question around what what made me start yoga was was having a conversation with one of the facilitators Mm -hmm. um it's hilarious Jess. hilarious yeah yeah um, so Sully had observed me for one week, and so the main facilitator is Robbie, and Sully is the support person, the second in charge. And yes. so Sully's been observing me the whole week. And every day we practice yoga. It's the, they refer to it as slow yoga because, as factoring the age
0: range of the yes, system. <laughs> <laughs> slow. factoring your 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 youth. Yes.
1: So um, what happened was by the end of the week, Sully had said to me, "Hey, Leone," tapped me on the shoulder, and said, "Can I just give you some feedback on your on, on what I've observed about you this week?"
0: Yeah, so I'm like,
1: yeah, oh, yeah. Sure, Sully. Yeah, like yeah, sure. Give me some feedback. And I'm thinking with my ego going, "Oh yeah, I'm the one of the youngest. I might be practicing really well." That ego stuff was just like, "Yeah, I know. I'm gonna get some feedback, right?" <laughs> So someone comes over, and she we're sitting in this yoga room, and she comes over and sits down with me next to me. And then she said to me, "Leoni, I've been look, I've been observing you all week, and I need to tell you something. I need to give some feedback." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Um, she said, "Leoni, um, I don't think you know where your body parts are." <laughs> <laughs> so my ego. What do you mean? Ear, foot. <laughs> so ego, as I've mentioned to you before Jess, my ego was so high expecting positive feedback and here you hear this woman saying to me, Leona, yeah. I don't know where your body parts are. And I just looked at her like, what do you mean? I <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: understand what she meant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I, I was really struck by lightning. Yeah. Um, and then she explained herself and she said, I've been watching you and you live too much in the head. Mm. You live, you don't know. You don't take care of your body. You treat your body like it's just a piece of a machine. Yeah. And your mind is t- driving everything, everything about you. And, if you. and she said to me, Leonie, if you don't do something about it now, you're going to end up getting illnesses. Diseases in the future Mm. because you live too much in the mind and you're not taking care of the body so Mm. she said to me i can i just please recommend when you get back to sydney just go to a local yoga studio they have unlimited classes for a few weeks just give it a try just yeah just give it a try and then see how you feel after that so that feedback that i received that that, that (laughs) that threw me out of my comfort zone yeah gave me the encouragement and the inspiration I needed to come back to Sydney to practice.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, like someone who has no idea who you are just looks at you and knows basically what, what you need. And I think, you know, this practice makes you not just you as a student, but you know, teachers and things, I feel like we just become a lot more intuitive, you know, and we, and we notice these things, you know, um, but I can totally resonate with being up in my head, you know, like I've always been quite fit and athletic and stuff. So I feel like I've known my body, but then it just takes you to a whole nother level. Like I thought I knew my body and then I did yoga and I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) I had no idea, you know, lift right leg up. And I was like, what? Like (laughs) it it really just connects, you know, that mind body connection, I think. And I've been sort of researching this myself lately. It's mind body connection and how the mind literally is so important in the body as well as, you know, the body being important to the mind. It's just so, so profound. But um, yeah, so your ego psh, got a knock in the face. <laughs> How many of us can say, you know, our ego just been like, no, nah. <laughs> I think, I think if you're a yogi, that's, that's a given. If you haven't had the ego kick, you, you haven't been practicing long enough. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So you, like, I just also want to say, you know, all of these events, you know, your, your family coming from Vietnam, you know, to Thailand and then to, to Sydney, moving in next door to Mr. and Mrs. Green, you know, meeting their daughter, conversing with her, her encouragement for you to go to balt like every single one of these events were so perfectly timed to lead you to this moment, you know, and I think we need to acknowledge that 100%.
1: I've never thought of it that way, but
0: yes, thanks for connecting the dots. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and that's been a big theme for me. You know, I just have so many themes in my head. I'm too much in my head. I need to get back into my body sometimes. But, you know, like every single moment has led you to this one right now where, you know, you practiced, you got back, you did your intro pass, you did your three months, you know, you connected with your body, connected with your chi and your energy. And then that sort of led you to where you are which, you know, I think right now the way I see it and the way I see you is you're on such a, an amazing journey, you know, where you're helping people. Like you said earlier, you know, you knew you wanted to help people, which I also want to talk about, like, when was that moment where you were like, that's it, I this is what I want to do. I want to help people because I think a lot of my experiences growing up, I knew straight away, you know, I was just that natural sort of empath where I went Wherever there was need, I was there. Wherever there, someone needed help, I tried to be there. Um, when do you realize, what was that moment? You know, can you can you pinpoint it or can you think about what maybe led you to that?
1: Uh, going back memories, uh, many years back, I think I was about 23, about 23,
0: 24.
1: Yeah. 24. And I was working in a job, you know, Monday to Friday in, you know, global company in administration role where I was HR administration role and I was supporting seven other HR consultants and the work was just really boring, just like really just admin support to these seven consultants and naturally I'm a a people person so being behind the desk, being in an administration role was killing me day in, day out. (laughs) Killing me, and I said maybe some of the people who are watching can relate to this because okay. if you're a people person and you're in an admin role, it really it's not bringing out the best of you in, in utilizing your strengths. So at that point in time, I remember vividly one day driving along um, Homebush Road, uh, Lancome Road to North Ride, where I was based, and I had pulled listening to an audio CD, Anthony Robbins, and he's asking oh, a powerful oh, question. Right. Oh. What is the purpose of your life? That was <laughs> <the question. laughs> I wrote and wrote down the answer. I didn't pull over. I, I kept driving until I got to work. I got to work. I wrote down the answer just before going into the office. And then I wrote down the answer and it was a moment just where I was like, oh, my goodness, my purpose in life was to help people. And what am I doing in this job?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, I remember clearly um, taking a massive U turn. I called my boss and said, "I can't come in for work. I'm right in front of work."
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I took a detour to um, to the beach, and I went to Manly Beach that day, and I just chilled out for the day. And I thought, "This is it. This is what I really want to do. I really want to uh, be in a role where I can really help." people make that difference um, in coaching others in their career and making sure they yeah. make the right career decision, getting the right job, et cetera. So I had that seed planted uh, in my mind when I was about 24. And that whisper was just ringing in my ears for up to the age of 29, mm-hmm. so it was always, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to, you've got to take on this path of, of having your own business and, and helping people, and it was only through meditation that, that then I had the courage to actually go full-time.
0: Yeah, so you're, so you, in a way, you practice meditation before you jumped into yoga, is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, that's yes. amazing. I, literal chills as you were telling that story, you know, I think the profoundness of just that moment, you know, like Anthony Robbins, love him. Like my cousin was, would talk to me about him when I was 15. We'd have these big, deep and meaningful conversations. because if you want to change your life, you've got to be your own boss. And, you know, you know, the conversation you can imagine. Um, But, you know, to just have that profound moment of this is what I want to do. Like, and I think it's such a light bulb moment. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate, you know, where, you just feel like you're on a one way, you know, track to nowheresville or something. And then something, suddenly a light just shines and you're like, Oh my gosh, yep. That's the path that I need to take. Um, I don't, yeah. It's just so amazing. You know, I think once you find your purpose, everything else, like I said, just falls into place. It's like a, a jigsaw puzzle, you know, like you, you decided to open up your business and I, and I know, you know, from what I read about you, you've helped over 200 people like in their careers and stuff and probably even more just in the general conversations and the the connections that you would have made in your career. Um, And that's, that's so amazing. And I think if we all, it doesn't always have to be helping people, you know, for me, like I obviously want to help people. And for me, it's about healing, you know, and less professional, more personal, but I think it doesn't matter what you do as long as, you know, you're impacting not only yourself, but you know, the whole of humanity. At the end of the day, like, why else? Why else are we here if not to explore some kind of, you know, collective um, purpose as well as a personal purpose? You know.
1: Yes. Yes. And you're uh, right. That moment is very vivid in my mind when I when it came to me yeah. that what is the purpose of your life? And so some people had experience earlier in life and some people experience it later in life, um, most importantly is that whisper that you hear, it's there. Yeah. And um, Steven Spielberg has a really good w- video. It's only one or two minutes about you know listen to that whisper because yeah. it's there and it's over it's you. Always there. It's always there. It's just whether yeah. you listen to that whisper or not. And yeah. right now, where we're going through this global crisis together, um, that whisper is going to be louder and louder because we're spending more time by, with ourselves. Yes. that. So whatever it is, and hopefully it's a good whisper to actually <laughs> listen to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm just thinking the devil <laughs> and the angel <laughs> conscience just like battling it out, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's incredible. And, you know, I think, like you said, meditation is – one way to just quieten the chatter and and allow that whisper to come through because you know we bombard ourselves and our lives with so much um you know work and interaction and stimulation that that whisper like you said it's always there but it's never loud enough for us to hear if we don't quieten everything down and like look how quiet the world is now you know i usually sit at home i mean it's monday it's easter monday but i usually have cars you know blaring their horns and driving up and down i live on a highway but it's been so quiet. I've heard no signs of a siren. Watch a siren, will drive past in ten seconds. But um, you know, <laughs> it's 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 that collective quiet that's going to allow people to you know move into their purpose and and really move into who they are. You know, and I think that was um that was something that I really liked about your stories. You know, every single moment led you to be more yourself. You know, you felt rejuvenated, but you felt you. And I think that's what. That's what it's about you know coming back to who you really are because we fall away from it so much you know social social expectations stereotypes we fit we try to fit ourselves into these boxes but we're not made to fit into a box you know we're made to fit into ourselves so so profound so profound um I do also wanna to touch on um, impermanence. I feel like that's a conversation that you and I love to have. And I love to throw it into um, the yoga classes and the themes that I sort of pull in here and there. Um, but you know, take me to your experience of Bali last year, because you know, for those who didn't know Leonie prior, I saw Leone before last year Bali, and then after last year Bali. And let me just tell you, it was exponential glow. <laughs> I remember you came back and I was like I want the glow <laughs> so tell me you know what was um you know, you had your experiences in Bali but what was so profound for you start you know start there I think
1: yes um so just so we don't confuse our listeners Bali the first time I went was 2015 yeah the time was 2016 and then the, the last time that Jess was referring to is in 2019 yeah so um so Jess saw me before the last Bali trip and she could see, witness the difference. Uh, I went to Bali uh, in December, early December and the first day of, um, I, I, had, I had visioned that it's going to be the, the best holiday. The absolutely <laughs> the best holiday. Like, yeah. I think it was eight, nine days. And unfortunately day one of my holiday, I had a very bad experience with um, something that happened at the markets. The day one was already like, whoa, that was completely unexpected. And I I was really worried and and everything got sorted out, but that was day one. So, Mm -hmm. the perfect holiday after day one was like, well, I don't know if this is going to be perfect anymore. Yeah. It was, um, I was by myself as well. So, I was really worried. And then after that day, my, the next one, two, three, four, five, six, six days was perfect. Yeah. Everything I went, everything was going very well. I had the perfect uh, food company. Everything was smooth, no issues at all. And then I get to the final day of my trip it was probably day eight. I'm about, I'm at, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm at the Sheraton in um, some, I think it was in Samia from memory.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And I get a message from Jetstar saying that your flight has been cancelled.
0: <laughs> it's like then, a sandwich, had the oh or an ego sandwich, ego at the top at the start, ego at the bottom. It's just like, hold on a minute.
1: <laughs> and then I, um, then I thought, what the heck is going on here? They so get a cancellation. And for the first time, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do when there's a cancellation?
0: Yeah, how do I fix this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no flights to go home that night. So I had to put yeah. on my feet and go, you know, get accommodation and so yeah. forth, and organize my night. Um, but interestingly that night um, that I couldn't go home, I stayed another night back in, obviously stayed back in Bali for another night, met some new friends and had amazing time in the in yeah. final night. So, um, impermanence was the word that was very vivid in my mind throughout the whole eight, nine day period because you, we expect that everything will be beautiful and then impermanence was experienced from the beginning to the end of that trip. And yeah. what happens in, in your life is that you need to ride with the waves yeah we will come up things will go wrong and you need to ride with it if you embrace it it's beautiful because what happened that final night i embraced it and i met Mm. new friends, and i had had drinks and had a great night it was just it was really amazing perfect in fact yeah holiday yeah from from so the word impermanence was then what i said to jess when i came back that this is the word i'm using for 2020. And what yeah. it means to me about impermanence is accepting that nothing, change is constant. It's mm-hmm. constant. And that things will go, go well and then things will, will not go well. It's the nature of life. And, yeah. we, this, and we are in this um, outbreak together. Things will change, things will ch- evolve and we, nothing stays the same. And just so we can illustrate impermanence right now right right now as we are watching this video. If some of you have been active observers of this video, in the beginning of the video that vase on the corner <laughs> standing, was standing up and <laughs> I, I'm pointing to the vase, it's at a beautiful cherry blossom. Um,
0: <laughs> Gorgeous It
1: um, was standing up but impermanence is things don't stay, things are not constant. It fell about, I think, <laughs> about minutes before. Yeah, um, it was a couple of minutes. Our yeah. Early conversation. Now, if you practice impermanence, you will be—you see that change. The vase has fallen. It's okay. It's not the end mm-hmm. of the world. You take a deep breath, and that's exactly what I did. I saw it, and I took a deep breath.
0: And I, I saw thing. that happen too. Yeah. There
1: you go. Yeah. Get attached to the vase. It has to be perfect because nothing is perfect, mm. and you accept it as it is. And you acknowledge it, you know it's fallen, and you let it go. Mm. However, if you don't practice impermanence, you want it to stay, you want it to stand, and you'll go over there and you'll fix it because you want to sure it stands perfectly. In fact, we would have stopped the video and go back and put the, yeah. put the vase up. And that's your mind going nuts because you want it to be perfect, but mm. it's not the case in life. So it's just it's nothing. It's a minor thing. Just let it go
0: mm. and embrace
1: it. And then in, and as I, as I said, we're using this opportunity to look at this vase and embrace what does it mean by the word impermanence. Yeah. If you practice living in this way. You will live in a way that is really natural, really kind really gentle and you go with the flow whichever way the direction it goes you will flow in that direction and then you will bounce back it's just the nature of life
0: yeah and you know if you like you said if you hadn't practiced that impermanence when you're on your trip you know you said that first day was like chaotic and I remember you telling the story of the markets you know you could have allowed that one moment to just ruin your entire trip you know because that might've left you feeling a little bit fearful and feeling a little bit scared, you know, given your experience, but it sorted itself out and you let it go. And if you hadn't, you might not have experienced the the bliss and the the joyful feelings that you did post market experience, you know? And I think it's so profound when you do embrace what's happening and you don't try to block it or stop it and you allow it to flow. Good things come from it regardless, you know, Um, like, I can think of countless times in my life where i've I've tried to stop something with you know as much will as I can, but once I allowed it and let it go it's it's just worked out better you know i'm like, wow, I would never have ima- have imagined it to be like this you know your your flight canceling you're like, oh, what am I going to do now, and then it turns out that you end up making some really great friends, and would you have imagined that for yourself otherwise probably not so definitely um, something that's been another theme, you know, that I've sort of been experiencing is that idea of impermanence. So I think, I think you highlighted it perfectly with that vase. Like I saw it at the start too. I was like, hmm, is she going to get up and move it? Like I was questioning, I was like, I don't mind, you know, I'm the one that's looking at it, (laughs) Uh, but so good, you know, and just to sum up, you know, I think we touched on so much and there's probably a lot more that I want to chat about and I'm happy to have you chat with me again because this has been so amazing and I'm sure those people who do end up listening, like they're going to take so much from it. You know, we spoke about finding that sense of belonging, you know, within yourself, that sense of impermanence, you know, the benefits of meditation and allowing it to, you know, listen to that whisper and that call to your purpose, your Dharma, if you will, um, you know, and the, and the benefits yoga has had on you as a person. And I think that before and after conversation is just yeah it's been so so enlightening you know and it kind of inspires me as well you know I'm always I'm constantly inspired by the conversations that you and I have um period so hopefully that that continues on to our listeners today but is there anything else that you want to add you know um yeah feel free we've got a couple more minutes I think sure
1: are, I would like to add if I may Jess oh. um that's that the courage you had to actually take over the business, I I really admire that you had that courage. Um, as most of you know, I think you're you've got a uh, you're, you've got a full time role, and then after work come to class, teach two classes in the evenings, and then I think it's six o'clock on a Monday, six o'clock on a Friday as well in the week, and so taking the courage to take on the business. Um, I've met many yoga teachers over the years and you just, you're so authentic. That's what, one of the things I've found about what makes sets you apart is that you're, you're, you're just real. And you know, if, you, if you've been to Jess's class, she would talk about something that is personal, but then she'll bring it into the yoga class and she talks about it very comfort, comfortably and eloquently. Um, and it just makes you think, wow, how do you have this courage? She has the courage just to be herself. So if you want to meet somebody authentic, like she's definitely authentic with a capital A. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Honestly, I feel the same way about you. And I think, you know, if you're able to see that in me, you know, that's, that's there in you. And you just need to take a look in the mirror because, you know, I think, and I will say this as well, my first impression of you was, you know, you like that before and after Bali, you know, was, you were just in your mind. And I think we spoke about this as well. You know, you were, you were doing your thing, you're in your mind, you were still on that sort of track of focusing on the business. But I just remember, you know, like I would see your face and I would smile. And when you smiled back at me, I was like, yes, like she smiled at me. You know, I just felt so excited. Like your smile was so infectious. And, um, and then when you came back from Bali, it was like, again, you just seemed more yourself. And I think you know you owe that to like that's you that wasn't anything that anyone else did, and I think you know take credit where where it's due it's it was you as well so I think like I'm grateful you know that you're able to see that and I feel good knowing that like i'm i'm projecting that that authenticity because that's been you know one of my goals more recently um but yeah like I think honestly you have have shown me as well you know your authenticity and who you really are, and I think we need more of us to be showing that to the world because it. when you when you do that, when you share yourself, you allow other people to share that too. You know, you allow other people to feel comfortable and confident in being who they are because we don't need a million Jesses or a million Leonis. We need one of each. That's all, you know, and I think we're, we're, we're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yep. thank you. And thank you so much for spending this time. You know, I, it's Easter Monday, so, like, bless I just love that we're able to do this (laughs) technology has come so far and you know I was speaking to a couple of my friends the other day and how yeah and that and that um article that you sent me about mindfulness and trying to be mindful in a zoom call I feel like this is the most mindful I've been in a zoom call can I just say I've not looked at myself more than three times (laughs) because it's so tempting you know you're like oh is my hair okay or my earrings are they fine but um yeah, I think it's, it's challenging, but, you know, it's so important to maintain that connection and try to be present with that connection, um, especially when we're so bombarded by all of these different, um, you know, external stimulants or stimuli, if you will. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful. And let's, let's honestly do this again very soon. <laughs> thank
1: you very much, Jess. It's been You're so
0: welcome. All right. Of- Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and um, we'll, we'll chat soon. <laughs>
1: See <laughs> <Sí. laughs>